How was your first day of work, dude? It was real good. Right now, it's just training, so no students yet. But okay, I think one thing that really stood out to me in like just the first hour was I've never been in like a new work setting, like internship or anything, where everyone's just like so grateful and excited to be there. Yes, I think everyone there is just very passionate about teaching. And then when people were introducing themselves, it was just like so clear how excited and happy they were to just be there to teach and like, really, yeah, and like be at the school. And then I was just thinking about like uh, my internships. And then if everyone went around and like introduced themselves, would they all be like, Anne, I'm so excited to be here and like... <laughs> <laughs> make code <laughs> solve corporations problems solve corporations problems <laughs> hi this is Connie and this is Priya And welcome to the third episode of It Girls, our podcast about figuring it out as you go. Yeah, we have a pretty sweet new tagline. We're pretty excited about it. In our third episode, we switch gears a little bit from what we've done in the past, and I actually interview Connie. We, apart from just liking to hear ourselves talk, um, Connie actually has a really interesting story. We referenced this a little bit in previous episodes. But Connie actually graduated from MIT with a degree in mechanical engineering and then decided to not go into uh, more of a technical job or not go into consulting like I did. And she decided to go teach at a high school. And so I haven't met many people or any people who have decided to do that. So we thought this would be a really cool opportunity to talk about it. Sweet. Here we go. Enjoy. Welcome back, everyone. I'm super excited to be interviewing Connie. I'm sitting here with her right now. Now, at the beginning of this episode, there was a clip of me asking her how her first day of work was. That was actually a couple months ago when we <laughs> recorded that audio. I am now sitting uh, here at my house over Christmas time, and Connie's been at work for a couple months now. And I'm sitting at my house in San Diego. So when you said we're sitting next to, you really meant sitting 2,000 miles away from. Yeah, basically. Same thing, right? (laughs) Same thing. But I am really excited because today I am going to be talking to Connie about her path from San Diego whiz genius Asian kid (laughs) to MIT mechanical engineering major to now a teacher at an experimental private school. How would you describe Nueva, the school you work at? Because I know that you kind uh, of would describe it in maybe a specific way. Yeah. <laughs> so technically, it's a K-12 school, and the K-8 through was a gifted school. Giftedness is an interesting thing because it's like they try to make this space for students who are very gifted to be able to learn well because in a lot of public school settings or like in a lot of traditional school settings it's actually really difficult for gifted students to learn at their potential um so they think about it like if you have this normal curve of what 
uh, student intelligence looks like. They have special classes for people who are two standard deviations below in terms of IQ, but they don't really, uh, they see it as like, oh, people who are two standard deviations above don't need that. But they're also, they also experience learning in a very different way. So they, Nueva School basically forms a space for gifted students to be able to thrive. You know, fun fact, I actually never made it into any of the gifted programs in elementary or middle school. I think I've already told you the story. I tell to everyone <laughs> I was rejected from gifted like three times. Is it because you want to sound like you overcame great barriers <laughs> to get to where you are now? I overcame so much privilege to get to where I am right now. <laughs> but no, yeah, so I would have never made it into Nueva before ninth grade. But um, what makes the ninth through twelfth grade experience a little different? Yeah, I think it's very unique for a lot of reasons, both because of things that the school implements, but also how the students are. So it um, up until 10th grade, they don't have grades. So then a lot of the students, they all like very much care about learning and they're very curious, pe- like intellectually curious people. So they really go out of their way to learn the reasons why and to learn like how to do things rather than doing things to take a test or doing things to succeed by some external measure. It's a lot of it is so internally driven, partly because of the uh, low emphasis on grades and partly because of their just taking in really, really curious and motivated students. Mm-hmm. And what do you teach there? I teach engineering. So specifically I teach robotics and design engineering for social good. Okay, so now that we know at a kind of high level where you have been and where you are today, I'm really interested in, I know that you majored in one thing and then decided to do something totally different after school. And I did the same thing. I mean, I majored in mechanical engineering and then I became a business consultant. Mm -hmm. But I feel like you don't meet many people who take that kind of path. Right. So to begin with, once you get to MIT... What made you decide to major in mechanical engineering? Yeah, I initially was bioengineering because I enjoyed biology the most. So, and then I really wanted to do like pharmaceuticals because I was like, how cool would it be if I could um, have an impact in curing a disease? So then I did some bio e-research in the beginning of freshman year. And then that was just, that pipetting life was just not for me. So I kind of went back and reevaluated my life and then I got really interested in medical devices and um assistive devices yeah yeah <laughs> then I was like oh well if I can do mechanical engineering then I can make these and those don't have to like those can have a much larger impact earlier on without all of the what well, I found bore of like doing wet lab work I could be building things and then it would have that quick iterative cycle and that I could see if something was working a lot faster than waiting a week for to see if an assay worked. Um, right. And then theoretically do something that could make impact sooner than 20 to 30 years down the road. Right. Right. Exactly. So um, I saw kind of product design being the path I wanted to go uh, in terms of health products and then... Um, that's what kind of led me to mechanical engineering. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's so funny because we have the exact same path. And that I also (laughs) was planning on majoring in biological engineering. And then 
I got an internship in a lab and that wet lab stuff just wasn't for me. And so I transitioned to mechanical engineering with a focus in medical devices where I kind of parked. When I did internships in medical devices, though, I kind of realized that depending on the le- level of FDA clearance you need for the device, it ends up taking 10 to 20 years as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. actually, the iteration cycles are not as fast as I thought they would be. Um, right. How did you get from medical devices to education? Yeah, I think I also parked on medical devices for a while. I think I like, after realizing that medical devices also had the same, I guess, uh, red tape and uh, roadblocks as pharmaceuticals did. Mm -hmm. I kind of moved on to assistive devices, so things that aren't going into your body, but still help people um, with disabilities, and then did that for quite a while. Like, that's what I thought I would exit MIT doing up until senior year. So I was working on designing a device called Finger Reader that helped for blind people read on the go. So it was kind of like a camera mounted on a ring and then they could scan text and then be able to uh, get that read back to them. Through making that, I was like, oh, that was such a cool experience to make that. I want more students to be able to have that opportunity to kind of build assistive devices or um, use engineering to build something for good and learn so much through that process of also helping someone else and have that two-way street kind of deal. So I started Design for America, which kind of brought um, groups of students together to work on social problems using engineering. And then after that, I was just like, oh, well, this is even more fun. (laughs) (laughs) I love working with people. And then just really seeing people, um, helping people grow as human beings and grow as learners was even more powerful for me than designing products. So that's what kind of led me to teaching. That's so crazy, though. It's kind of like you wanted to be a teacher when you were a kid, and then you took this kind of circuitous path where for most of, you know, teenage and then early 20s, you you were really pursuing this engineering thing, and and now you're coming around full circle back to, to wanting to teach. Right. Weird how life works. I think because of the stigma against teaching, it's really easy to kind of avoid it and think of it as like, a, oh, this is like a last option or like, oh, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. But then I think a lot of people are very interested in education um, as a career and being an educator, but just a lot of people discount it. Yeah. And I, I mean, to me, it still seems like, okay, you know, you have this engineering degree. If I were in your shoes and I would think maybe okay, maybe I'll try and be an engineer for a couple of years. And then if this education thing is still something that I'm really passionate about, then I'll come back around to it. What gave you the conviction to say, no, I'm actually going to take maybe the less safe route and I'm going to go directly to education and not try out engineering full time? For me, I also am very passionate about trying to follow a path that brings you more happiness. And then Mm -hmm. I remember for the internships I tried, I knew I wasn't excited, that excited about going to work. And it was always like, it wasn't something that I would like, when I get home, I wouldn't think about the problem that I was working on at work in the shower or something. But now I'm able to, like, whenever I'm 
like have free time and just thinking about like, oh, how can I improve my practice as an educator? Or like, oh, this student is struggling with this. How can I do something in order to kind of make that a teaching moment? So it's something that I'm like very excited to be thinking about. And then I think that I dug myself into a hole too by like being so adamant about that sort of idea of like, oh, you can have happiness and money. You don't need to have one or the other. Um, And I think a lot of people... Um, that I talked to would kind of be like, oh, well, this is just like an in-between thing. Oh, I just need, I, I won't, I, I need to make money. I just finished college. Um, but I, if I was gonna kind of like discount that as a reason, I couldn't also do the same thing either. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, I was being judgmental. So I kind of backed myself into a corner there. And that's why I'm teaching. I actually, <laughs> the truth comes out. <laughs> you're like, if I'm going to judge other people, then I really can't do that for myself. And the path that you're talking about of always trying to choose the path that makes you happiest and that being a priority for you. Yeah. I feel like, you know, for people like you, you, you kind of knew deep down that you wanted to do education. And I think for me, when I thought about that, the idea of okay we'll just choose whatever path would make you happiest and I was like well I don't know what would make mm-hmm. me happiest like I feel like I need to try out other things like I don't know yet mm-hmm. yeah I think it was because right before I started too it became I like start the the doubt started creeping creeping up and I was like oh but what if I don't like it and what if I made the wrong decision and this is kind of like I I was trying to prove a point and then it's just not true. Or um and then I think there's a lot, like there is still a lot of pushback from my family because um teaching is lower paying and um because I had rejected an offer that was about double they and they they treat money very highly in my family that it was like if this doesn't go well and it and I'm not happier I don't have something to show for it then it's also very insulting to my family to have done it just because money is so important to them right it was like a high risk situation Mm-hmm. yeah but I think like being around people who are willing to do that too kind of takes away the fear too this is like oh we're in this together okay if we both screw up then we both screw up so now you've been at the job for like four or five months now not including the month that you took off surgery yeah yeah so now the question I have is four or five months in, is it what you expected it to be? Yeah. And I think that I I, I actually didn't know how much I would enjoy teaching because a lot of the um, teaching I had done in the past were for outreach programs or mm-hmm. um, smaller weekly after school programs that were less like frequent. So then what, what you can focus on for students when you see them once a week is kind of like, oh, I hope you learn like an appreciation for science or I hope you just maybe start liking math. Um, but then when I'm spending so much like every day with these students um, at school now as a full-time teacher, it's even more powerful than I expected because it's just, you get to not only help them be able to grow as engineers, but also just help them develop habits of mind that help them grow as people. And then you can have those focuses in that you're too limited in time and trust of the students to be able to focus on that kind of stuff in an after-school program. I guess my next question would be, 
how do you imagine your next five, ten years playing out career-wise? Like, did you, do you imagine Nueva as being a first step in, in kind of a, a longer five, ten year journey? Yeah, and I think that, um, I think the general goal is like, how can we bring this kind of education to all students? And then um, I think that Nueva is kind of like the ideal case of, you have really, really motivated students, you have a lot of uh, resources and money, and then you just have a lot of opportunities. And that's kind of like the ideal, like what could education look like for everyone? But I guess the question I want to be asking in those next five to 10 years is how can we bring this sort of model of um, catering to student curiosity and um, really having deep learning uh, happening in schools to more schools. And I usually think of it as kind of like how Tesla kind of started with this um, ideal car of like a very expensive model. Um, but the idea that Elon Musk had was that they would start out with the ideal case of a car, of an electric car, and then kind of figure out once they had that model done, they could figure out how to make it more affordable. And the ultimate goal was like, how can we bring electric cars to everyone and improve the environment that way? Um, and I think Nueva is kind of that ideal model. And then my thoughts now is how can we bring that to more schools? Now being, what, six or seven months out of college and four or five months into the workforce, is there anything that you've learned about life for yourself that has surprised you? I think one thing that has changed a lot is I think at MIT, I was so surrounded by STEM. It was very difficult to think about humanities very much um, and humanity itself. And I think at Nueva, since I'm surrounded by a lot of teachers who are just super impressive thinkers in humanities fields, it's really made me start thinking more about the human experiences and how that's conveyed through art and literature, which is just something I like wish I got in high school, but didn't. And then I didn't really put an effort into uh, learning more from literature or art in college. Now that I'm surrounded by such passionate people who really care about those topics, I've become a lot more interested in what I can learn from expressions of like human creativity. Now I'm like more drawn to literature now because I'm like, how can I learn more from um, people talking about their life experiences into understanding the world versus before I was kind of like, oh, well, I can just get that from psychology. I can just understand how the hormones work <laughs> and I'm good to go. Um, but now I see a lot more value in like, how do other people describe, how do other people try to convey like, this really amazing thing of each human's unique experience, and then what lessons. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to episode three of It Girls, our podcast about figuring it out as you go. And we promised last time that we would be publishing episodes once a month, and true to our promise, here is our episode for December. Woo! Woo! We stick to our commitments. Um, and then you can tune in January 2017 in the new year for our next episode. We're going to be doing something a little experimental and chatting about more serious topics. Uh, so we're hoping to explore the ideas of job automation and the future. 
<laughs> which is very different from what we've done at all in the past. Uh, but that's why this is an adventure. We're just figuring it out as we go. So hope you guys hope you guys stick along for the ride because we think it's going to be really interesting for us at least, if no one else. <laughs> awesome. Right. See you guys next time. Bye. Happy New Year.